Hello everyone. Join me, a small medium at large, as we explore the world of spirit, energy, tarot, mediumship, psychic abilities, angels, oracles, paranormal activity and basically anything downright spooky. If any, some or all of those things interest you, then you've come to the right place, my friends. I'm Melanie Mahmood, and welcome to the Spirit Level Podcast. Hello, 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 and welcome to episode 30 of the Spirit Level Podcast. And big news this week, we hit 2,500 downloads last week, which is absolutely amazing. Thank you so very, very much from both Mr. M and I for your continuing support of the show. And I didn't know that most podcasts don't actually get past episode eight. And here we are at episode 30. But we love what we do and hope we're still spreading a bit of magic and some positivity out there in the universe. In other news, our lovely friend Zira G got in touch. She's the lovely lady, if you remember, who was our very first three-card tarot reading on the show. And she's emailed me and said, Ooh, I've just listened to the podcast and I couldn't help smiling throughout the reading section. It was so spot on. And yes, patience is something I'm getting better at. I wish I was, Zira. Uh, thank you so much for the reading. Greatly appreciated and as ever, loving the podcast. Well, thank you so much, Zira, for your feedback. If you would like me to do you a three-card reading on the show, drop us a line at the spirit level 20 at gmail.com and we'll put you on the show. So how are you feeling? Any better now that we're in August? Well, I can definitely say the energy has picked up. This is for reaching the Lionsgate portal, which is opening on the 8th of August and the new moon, which is also on the 8th of August. So progress is definitely being made now. And instead of feeling weighed down and wading through treacle, it's definitely picked up and progress is being made. I hope you're feeling it too. There'll be more on the new moon in the next episode. So please tune in for your new moon manifestations. Coming up in the show this week, Green Adventuring is the featured crystal in Crystal Corner. There will be some more of your listener questions. In Mr. M's Menagerie, the Pyramids of Giza are this week's topic. In Household Hocus Pocus, Parsley is on the menu. And in Time for Tarot, the Tens are our featured cards. So here we go. Welcome to this week's Crystal Corner and I have another new addition to introduce you to and it's Green Adventurine. So it's a very positive stone. It holds not just the energies of Adventurine itself but some added extra bonuses too which is why I like it so much as it's a bit of a double whammy and as a true Yorkshire woman I like to get more bang for my buck and Green Adventurine does just that. It's an all-round healing and comforting stone. Its energy feels cool and slippery, and so it feels soothing, a bit like aloe vera on sunburn kind of feel to it. 
Being green, it's linked directly to the heart energy, so supports all heart and circulatory issues, as well as emotional ones. It's anti-inflammatory, and being a harmoniser, it brings emotional well-being and balance to any and all situations, which may be out of kilter. Physically good for all sorts, migraines, blood pressure, allergies, eyes, adrenal fatigue and all spleen related issues. It's a really good all rounder. But the reason I particularly like and use this crystal is for emotional vampires. You know the folks I mean, the ones who try and either consciously or unconsciously leech off your energy in some way. They leave you feeling drained and physically exhausted sometimes. And this happens especially if you work in a caring capacity of any kind. So nursing, mental health, that kind of arena. You need this stone as it will protect your energy while still enabling you to do your job. Last but by no means least, it's a positive prosperity attractor, also known as the gambler's stone. It can attract luck and of the chance kind. So it'll be going with us to the races as soon as we get the chance. So that's Green Adventuring, folks. As always, check us out on the Facebook group, where I'll put a little video up showing you what it looks like. And now it's time for listeners' questions. What have we got this week, Mr M? Thank you, Mel, and hello again, everyone. We have three listener questions this week, Mel. Three? Okay. Fire away. The first is from Simon in Leeds, who asks, Are karma and fate the same thing? Oh, gosh, right. No, they're not. Karma and fate. Karma is in relation to karmic debts and things that are built up over various lifetimes. So it's linked to reincarnation. The theory is that you have several lifetimes uh, in your existence as a spirit on this planet and you may build up karmic debts. So if you've done somebody something wrong or you've robbed a bank or murdered somebody in a previous life, then the theory is that you will have to pay that back somehow by doing good in your next lives. And karmic debt is something that we, uh, that is talked about quite a lot, you know, bad karma, etc., etc. It's linked to the theory that what you do and what you send out into the world comes back to you tenfold. So that's basically what karma is. Fate. Now, fate's a different thing altogether. So it's an idea that something is fated, something that's already been written in in your story before you even got there. It was going to happen no matter what you did. Now, there is a theory about that. It's linked to the Akashic Records, which uh, the Akashic Records, if you don't know, is the idea that there is a file somewhere in the universe with spirit up on one of the higher dimensions where everything that you are going to do or is going to be experienced by you as a spirit in this earthly plane is already written in your file. So there's no free will involved. There are certain episodes, events or people that you are going to meet as part of your journey. It's already been planned before you even got here. Now, I'm always, yeah, I get that. I, I can understand that there are certain things that may be fated, but I still believe in free will. I still think that there there is an aspect of free will with regards to situations within that sphere, if that makes sense. Does that make sense to you? It does, apart from right at the last bit where you said free will. 
if something's preordained, if this Akashic file is written, then surely that means you don't have free will because it's already going to happen. No, but what I'm saying is, is that if there is an event where there are several possible decisions that are going to be made and those decisions are life changing, that's where your free will is. There's a lot of possibilities and your free will will be allowed to choose which of those outcomes is going to come to be. It's not written in stone, if you like. Okay, thanks, Mel, and um, thank you, Simon. That was a tremendous question. Absolutely. Well done. Uh, Our second question this week comes from Sam in Wakefield, who asks, have you ever dreamt of something happening and it actually happened? Absolutely, yes, completely. I, I, If you remember the Lockerbie disaster, I had a dream the night before about uh, a plane crash and it coming down on a motorway and it was so vivid I was there I could feel the heat it was a it was a horrendous dream and I remember waking up sweating and being quite upset by it and I think it was a day or two days later Lockerbie happened God bless the souls that that passed in in that horrendous crash Uh, I also have a story about the Hillsborough disaster but I can save that for another day You'll be glad to know, listeners, that I can never remember any of my dreams, <laughs> as Mel will attest to. I'm, I'm one of those people. I, I, I dream like everybody else, but um, I have no idea what I dream about. Football, usually. Sport. Uh, f- f- yes, it's probably football and sport. Um, OK, we move on. Our final question this week comes from Fiona in Spalding, who asks, Oh, this, this is a proper good belter as well, Mel. What is consciousness? Blimey, some really philosophical questions this week. You're really, you're really challenging me. Thank you for that. Thank you, Fiona. Right, what is consciousness? So there are several types of consciousness as well. So let's just go with the basics. Your consciousness is the bit of you that's not your body, that's not your physical body. It's your thoughts. It's your energy. It's your soul, if you like. That is your consciousness. Now, there is a universal consciousness as well. If you reach enlightenment, you've gone through the stages of physical death, spiritual death. So you are so enlightened that you are just pure energy. You then become universal consciousness and universal still I'll put my teeth in universal consciousness is an energy that is is like a reservoir. If you imagine a reservoir, but it's just filled with thought, energy and knowledge that if you know how to do it, you can tap into at any point. Even if it's about a subject or an area that you don't know anything about, you are able to tap into that reservoir like a big giant computer, if you like, and download that information. That is universal consciousness. Super stuff, Mel. Uh, Thank you. And a big thank you to Simon, Sam and Fiona for getting in touch with us. If you would like to send Mel a question or have your question feature as a three-card tarot reading, or want to get in touch with us for any other matter, whether it be suggestions for show content, guests, or just to get in touch, then here is how to do so. Thank you to everyone who submitted a question. There are a number of ways you can get in touch with us. You can get in touch with us via email, and the address is thespiritlevel22 at gmail.com. On Facebook, on the groups, search for The Spirit Level. On Twitter, search for thespiritlevel.co.uk. We have a Twitter handle, which is at thespiritlevelu, which is a capital U. On Instagram, search for me, Melanie Mahmood, or thespiritlevel.co.uk. Or you can click on the SpeakPipe link in the episode notes 
and send us a voicemail free of charge. In addition, there are a number of resources for you to download and access on our website, totally free of charge, at www.thespiritlevel.co.uk. We look forward to hearing from you. Thank you for joining me this week, where I will be discussing one of the most iconic monuments in the world, and the only remaining one of the seven wonders of the ancient world still standing, the Great Pyramid at Giza, Egypt. Now, I'm sure there are many of you listening who may well, like me, have had the opportunity to visit this fantastic monument. It really does take your breath away. Now, before we delve a little deeper into the Great Pyramid and its two sister pyramids, let's first set the scene. Now, the Great Pyramid is situated on the outskirts of Cairo, Egypt. Now, for those like me, who have had the chance to visit the Great Pyramid, its location is at first a bit of a shock, and not in terms of its size. It is literally on the outskirts of Cairo. A left turn on the road running parallel to the site brings you to a parking area where there is a restaurant, and a path that takes you past Sphinx onto the Giza Plateau itself, where the Great Pyramid and its two sister pyramids are located. The Great Pyramid lies in an area littered with smaller pyramids and burial mounds. It is widely accepted that the Great Pyramid was constructed under the direction of the Pharaoh Khufu some 4,500 years ago, approximately 2550 to 2490 BC, with the two other sister pyramids being built by Khufu's son, Khafre, in 2520 BC, and the smallest pyramid built by the Pharaoh's grandson, Menkore, in 2490 BC. Now, historians, archaeologists, engineers, and those with an interest in the pyramid complex do not fully understand either the relevance of the pyramids, their use, their construction, or purpose. Their commission seems to have been at a variance with accepted and documented building practices at the time, and for many, the pyramids serve as a resting place for the pharaoh. However, Prior to the pyramids being built, the traditional method for building tombs to house the pharaoh were mud-brick caverns dug into the desert sand. And these structures housed a number of burial rooms and passages, were elongated in shape, and had just the last metre or so visible at ground level. So what marked such a shift in design and practice? Well, as you would expect, numerous theories abound in relation to this. And I mentioned in the episode on ancient astronaut theory a couple of weeks ago that it seems that civilizations across the world received some form of instruction in regard the building of a new type of monument, namely pyramids. And this appears to have happened almost simultaneously between civilizations who had no way of communicating with each other. Turning to the Great Pyramid, it really is a piece of engineering greatness and one which, even in today's technological era, we would be hard-pressed to replicate. These are questions which have and will continue to baffle and perplex modern-day scholars. For example, the stone blocks used in the construction weigh between 2 to 15 tonnes each. There is some suggestion that the blocks were transported by barge along the River Nile. Now, I don't know what your thoughts are, but... I really cannot imagine a wooden barge being able to transport a two-ton block of stone, never mind a 15-ton block of stone. And even if it could, 
The granite used in the construction comes from Aswan, many, many miles away from Giza. There then remains the question of how that block was then transported across the desert to the site at Giza. And in terms of weight, it is estimated that 8 million kilos of granite were used, as well as 5 million kilos of mortar. Now, historians will say that there are ancient records detailing a workforce of between 15 to 40,000 men who worked over a 20-year period to complete the construction of the Great Pyramid. Just have a think about the logistics involved in the construction and try to imagine it being done in today's technological world with all the heavy machinery we have at our disposal. It would still be classed as a major feat of engineering and yet, the ancient Egyptians found some way of quarrying huge stones, transporting them from the quarry to a vessel, travel across water, and then transport the huge blocks a great distance to the plateau at Giza. Now once there, the blocks would have to be shaped with rudimentary tools, arranged and placed in position, all done with no heavy lifting machinery. It quite literally is a staggering feat of engineering. But what was the purpose of the Great Pyramid, and what did it hold? Well, its purpose, many believe, was to serve as a resting place for the Pharaoh Khufu, in order to prepare him for his journey into the afterlife. But considering its size, the Great Pyramid is remarkably empty. There are a number of passageways and two chambers located within, and much of the valued and treasured items that were left inside at the Pharaoh's passing have long since been looted. Now inside the Great Pyramid we find the following. The lower chamber, which is unfinished and is a subterranean chamber. The Queen's Chamber, which was in all likelihood a storage room for Khufu's things for him to take into the afterlife. The Grand Gallery. Now this is a passageway leading into the main chamber. Something called the Big Void, which is a large cavity. Its purpose is still unknown, despite numerous scientists, historians and engineers visiting the pyramid to ascertain its use. And finally, the King's Chamber. This was the room containing the Pharaoh's sarcophagus. However, detailed analysis of the Great Pyramid by scientists over the years reveals some surprising and indeed startling facts. For example, it has been proven that the chambers inside the Great Pyramid act to concentrate electromagnetic energy in those chambers and beneath its base, where the unfinished chamber is located. Now, what could possibly be the reason for this? Even more astounding is the fact that further studies indicate that the Great Pyramid has the ability to focus radio waves, in effect to act as a giant transmitter. Now, what is the possible explanation and reason for this? The ancient Egyptians did not, as far as we know, have any radios or any other means of communicating other than spoken word and hieroglyphics? And why would they need such a huge potential store of energy? They had no machinery to drive or electricity to harness. Well, it's these two aspects that lead many who believe that the pyramids were constructed with the assistance of extraterrestrial beings to speculate that the pyramid complex at Giza is a vast charging station for use by extraterrestrial spacecraft and that as yet, we do not have the knowledge or understanding to harness the technology contained within. It's a fanciful theory, I know, but bearing in mind that the pyramids are aligned to the three major stars of Orion's belt, and that this star cluster was believed to be the birthplace of the god Osiris, you can see why this theory has become a popular one. 
And whilst we can speculate as to the purpose and reason for the Great Pyramid, one fact we cannot ignore is that at the time of its construction, it was such a radical departure from what had been built before that there must have been some form of instruction from some person or persons to allow the construction to take place. Who that person or persons were, and for what reason, is still open to debate. But whatever the reason, the Great Pyramid at Giza stands a lasting monument to an ancient civilization that we are still learning about and understanding. Well, I hope you enjoyed hearing about the Great Pyramid. Please let me know your thoughts. You can send me an email to thespiritlevel22 at gmail.com or you can send me a voicemail by clicking on the SpeakPipe link in the episode notes. In the next edition of Mr M's Menagerie, I will be putting the spotlight on the Skull and Bones Society. So until next time, thank you for joining me and it's back to Mel for the rest of the show. Household Hocus Pocus. And this week, folks, we've got parsley. So who would have thought that parsley, good old commoners monk parsley, that I often just throw off the plate, has magical and healing properties? Its many properties include protection, purification, fertility and spirit work. And that's what you can use it for. Parsley used to be chewed to stop borediness and from becoming inebriated, but it's also said to promote lustiness and fertility, so it's a bit of a conundrum really. I haven't tried it myself for any of these things, so have a go and let me know what works for you. It is said that rubbing parsley on your temple and then on the heart chakra, both green of course, as will be your forehead after this, but it will promote a sense of cheerfulness. And by burning parsley, it will uplift and purify the environment. But I'm guessing that is the dried variety, as the fresh would not be very good to burn. There are numerous connections between parsley and death rites in both the Greek and Roman tradition. And indeed, the Romans dedicated the herb to Persephone, the queen of the underworld. So it was used as as funeral wreaths. Which, if you think about it, makes an odd choice as a food garnish. But of course, it could just be protecting your dinner. As it's connected with the dead, parsley makes a good addition to any spirit work as it breaches the boundaries between this world and the spirit world. Well, I hope you enjoyed finding out about parsley. Poor old parsley. Even I had overlooked its benefits. So that's this week's Household Hocus Pocus. week in time for tarot we are looking at the tens so the ten of wands in an upright position tends to mean burdened there's a lot of hard work going on there's a lot of responsibilities and stress and the person involved in the situation may need a new way to look at things from a different perspective and get a fresh set of eyes on stuff it's about also getting ready for retirement or a change in work In reversed, it means taking on too much and somebody avoiding responsibilities. The Ten of Cups 
means total fulfilment in love. There's good partnership, family, harmony, happy marriage, happiness, altogether just generally stable and content. In the reverse position means exactly the opposite. Things are misaligned, the values aren't there, possible broken home or there's severe issues in the marriage or there's been a divorce. In the Ten of Swords, I don't like the Ten of Swords. When this one comes up, my heart sinks. It it means stabbed in the back. And if you have a look at the card, it's literally a, a fella on the floor with ten swords in his back. It's ultimate betrayal, defeat, crisis, endings, loss. And a warning card, somebody is out to get you, somebody is out and against you. However, usually when the Ten of Swords does turn up, it usually means that this situation has already happened, that the querent or who you're reading for already knows about this and they're starting to move on. In reverse, it means recovery, regeneration, uh, a fear of ruin and an inevitable end. So on to the Ten of Pentacles. The Ten of Pentacles is wealth. The universe is going to provide for you. It can mean a windfall from an inheritance, but it's achievement being at the top of the game, all about family and establishment. In reverse, it means financial failure, somebody feeling loneliness and somebody feeling a loss. So that's the Tens, folks. for this week folks hope you enjoyed that coming up in the show next week moonstone is the featured crystal in crystal corner there will be some more of your listener questions and if you would like your question to feature as a three card tarot reading then please get in touch with us in mr m's menagerie the skull and bones society is under the spotlight in household hocus pocus coffee is on the menu And in Time for Tarot, the nines are our featured cards. A big thank you to Buzzsprout for hosting us. Our thanks to the folks at Orphonics and Audacity for their technical help. A big thank you as ever to my beloved husband and producer, Mr M, for all his help and support. And a massive thank you to you, our listeners, wherever you may be, for your continued support and your lovely messages. Please subscribe and review our podcast. Your feedback will help us improve the show. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox or via your usual podcast provider. Please visit the website www.thespiritlevel.co.uk where you can book a personal reading with me wherever you are in the world. Enroll on one of the courses. Browse the online store for the crystals we talk about, crystal packs, power bracelets, aromatherapy and scented candles or just to get in touch. We always love to hear from you. And don't forget, you can also send us a voicemail by clicking on the Speak Pipe link on the episode notes or via the podcast page on the website. It's free of charge, no download required. Be lovely to hear from you. So until next time, folks, look after yourself, look after each other and love and light to you all. <laughs>